Your listeners are annoyed. This episode, we take one more turn with Dungeon Keeper. Welcome to One More Turn, the gaming podcast that supplants the New York Times as the newspaper of record. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. Jim, we're playing Dungeon Keeper this week. Hooray! Your favorite. It's obviously your favorite game. I've never seen you so excited. Uh, but, but, yeah. I get to keep a dungeon. Uh, dungeon. My dungeon is also my keep. That's the way. The, that's the way the name works. And in that game, you get to be the bad guy, or or what we would call the bad guy in a traditional fantasy world. He's pretty evil. He's pretty evil guy. And it got me thinking about. Playing the bad guy in video games, you know, Grand Theft Auto Five just came out, and you are definitely a you're three bad guys in that game. Uh, but I'm, right, I'm, right. I'm always curious on on thoughts of the nature of evil, the nature of being quote unquote bad in video games. You know, there's a lot of games that let you go good or evil. You know, Mass Effect's a popular one. Knights of the Old Republic uh, have these kind of binary systems where you can be super good or super evil. And well, Mass, Mass Effect, I think, was a, wasn't uh, wasn't so uh, dis- or he was more discreet than that. Where it was just like, how do you solve this problem? Like, do you be the nice guy, or do you just be like the Han Solo character? Well, sometimes you know, sometimes you you know, I've mentioned it before. You might punch somebody in the face <laughs> for mm-hmm. no good reason. But like you know, or, sure. or Knights of the Old Republic might be a better example where you actually are are not or beyond Han Solo. You're actually turned Sith in order to be in order to portray that evil. You know, I, I like the option in these games. You know, I like to be able to and and go the the evil route despite some well, let, despite some shortcomings of going evil, <laughs> quote unquote. Let me ask, yeah. uh off if you're playing a game that offers you that decision, let's say you're let's say you're playing Kotor or you're playing Fable, what do you just where do you do you typically lean toward one way or another? I, I actually go Boy Scout. Like I really go like I try to be the nicest, most helpful, knightly, knightly kind of character. Honestly, like I'm playing uh, Fallout Three right now. I'm replaying it. And, oh, okay, that's a, I was going to mention the Fallout games as well for their karma system, and that's what I'm doing. I'm you know somebody somebody says they need help. You have three options. You can tell them to go screw off. You can offer your assistance for money or you can do the route i always do which is i'll do it for free i just want your uh, i just want your admiration <laughs> oh you forgot the fourth option which is you pick their pocket and you drop a grenade in right so, yeah or you could say no and then yeah blast them which is the, the, that's like actually real evil uh option fallout does a good job of of Finding a nice balance between everything. You don't have to be a complete Boy Scout, but you never have to be a complete bad guy either. You can kind of find this gray area. But, you know, these, a lot of these games, you get rewarded for going extreme one way or the other. And, you know, I, I since I always go the extreme good guy route, I'm, I'm curious if you ever go the extreme bad guy route, what, what usually you get rewarded with. It's usually like something more devastating powers, right? Like something something even like worse you could do to people, right? Well, so it, it, I believe that the route that I have taken in such games has changed as I have gotten older. I think usually I, in such games, I generally preferred to go with the evil route, one, because it was generally easier. Yeah. Uh, at least in the beginning, before before your actions have responsibilities. Who needs that, Jim? Um, <laughs> and really, uh, especially in, in Fable, and I, I played a lot of black and white uh, when I was younger, that it just made your character look way cooler because when you have a when you are controlling a giant sheep as your divine avatar and your sheep is now like green and black and gnarled and its bleat sounds like it's coming straight from the depths of hell like that's really kind of cool yeah also kind of ridiculous <laughs> right it's it's, it's like think, the same reason why people are into like metal music you know because all the yeah, cool kind art of. goes along with it right I just want, yeah, I want this happy little sheep to turn into the cover of, like, an Iron Maiden album. Yeah. But it's, but again, since then, I think it's it's more turned into, um, sort of like, how I want that particular character, or how I want to kind of, how I at least see that character acting, 
at least like in the case of Mass Effect, like, well, this is the character that I would kind of like to see this person turn into and I think would be much cooler this way. So, of course, I played a Femme Shep going full Renegade. But I think it's more uh, going into like the reward system uh, in there, in that generally, kind of as I mentioned before, um, games are getting a little bit better from the traditional, like, okay, uh, here is someone who's asking you to help free their slaved family. And generally your two options are uh, you free the slaved family or you enslave that person and everyone else in their town for looking at you funny. Yeah. Um, and it's gotten, you know, I, a lot of games have gotten a little bit more complicated since then. Yeah, it's, it's, it's um, bi- it seems binary at times, you know, it's one option or the of other, course. you know. Of course, and so generally then the reward systems are are then equally complex as well. Um, like back in, to, to, I have to admit, like when I played through uh, Bioshock, the only real reason why I saved all the little sisters um, was because I thought the reward was a little bit better. Yeah, you get a better ending, right? Don't you get like Well, a... I mean, yeah, you get a better ending, but just you get a different reward. Yeah. I believe like like you get you either get a larger amount of rewards over a period of time versus getting uh everything as a lump sum at one point. Mm-hmm. So generally, when you are the more helpful boy scout type, you're not generally rewarded with, you know, with lump sums of money, but generally you're rewarded with then good intentions that often uh, have positive uh, outcomes then later on. Yeah, like in Fallout, you get higher, you get good more good karma. And when you visit towns that you've helped, they're like, hey, take all my money or here's, you know, health stuff. They just give it to you for free. But you have right, to or give you discounts. Yeah, or but like, you have to yeah. wait for it. You don't get you don't get that instant gratification. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it, it's a payoff way down the road. <laughs> right, right. And especially then, you know, like later on when you know, if you've got a, if you've got missions or, or quests that would that would really be easily solved by just bla- like blasting a plasma hole into somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now you have to go through the honorable route, the post-apocalyptic honorable <laughs> route. Yeah, you know, it makes me, you know, think broader on the subject, especially in terms of video games. In that, you know, are they really bad guys you're playing anymore? You know, are you really? evil in any way like some some examples are clear cut you know black and white uh being one where you can just be evil and torture people that's the name of the game <laughs> right but we live in a at a world now where like you know the show dexter where you're about a serial killer and and people root for him you know breaking right. bad just ended, breaking bad just yeah. ended and that guy was a drug dealer who killed people you know and and people rooted for him and in video games you actually get to take on those roles but are you really "quote unquote" evil or bad, or are you, or the circumstances you're in? Can you justify your actions through the circumstances you're in in that game, even in, even when playing the role? You know, like it depends. I mean, it obviously depends on the game that you're playing. I mean, I feel like a lot of the examples that we brought up, i.e., Fable, um, Dungeon Keeper, Grand Theft Auto. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say yes 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 <laughs> yes yes very evil yeah. terrible the worst right right well uh, yeah exactly but like you know a game even Fable a little bit you can kind of justify some of those actions that you take that that, that are darker route if you deal with somebody who's a terrible person but they haven't explicitly broken a law you know I, I guess the question is is this is it bad. Are you a bad guy because you know you're evil and treat people horribly, or are you a bad guy because you're a lawbreaker kind of thing? I remember having a problem with this with the original Fable in that I felt like my motivations were not really driven um, by morality. I think I wanted to play a character that was driven solely by gold. Mm-hmm. And I remember, did you play through uh, Fable? Yeah, yeah, I beat it. It's been a while. I played it like right. When it came so, out, so I remember uh, there's like a big, there's kind of like a very climactic scene where you're in an arena and you get pitted against like your old childhood friend Whisper. Yeah, because if you didn't kill her, you didn't get paid. And my character, and I figured, well, I think my character, my character is solely after coinage here. I think, I think he would, you know, execute her. And then for the rest of the game, people were calling me out, like, all over the place. Like, oh, I can't believe you killed Whisper. I'm like, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to. I just kind of <laughs> did because I had to get paid. Well, they're allowed to have their feelings, their digital feelings on things, Jim. <laughs> no, they're not. They're NPCs. They don't get to decision. They don't get to make me feel bad. 
I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they do, you know? Oh, no. <laughs> now my computer's judging me. Yeah, he can't he can't go anywhere without being judged, Jim. <laughs> you can't. Right, but I I enjoy having having the ability to as a player a contribution to the story, even if it is only in a like choose your own adventure sort of way mm-hmm. uh, because you are an active participant in the story that is going on and now that when your actions now have these lasting effects into uh, into the plot into your later dialogue options it, that it really draws the player more so into the world and into the setting that they're in regardless of whether they choose good or evil mm-hmm. like i know there are companies like bioware that take a lot of that taking a lot of data on the games that people play and i wonder if m- more people tend to go with uh, the friendlier do-gooder character as they get older. That would be an interesting... That would at least be an interesting study to look at. Yeah. My suspicion would that would be that people are more evil when they're younger. Although that just that just may be confirmation bias on my own part. I... I God, I gotta agree with you here. I know a lot when I was younger and playing... Uh, like, Ultima has something of a morality system in it. I definitely would be more apt to be a thief and steal stuff and attack innocence and just sort of just kind of be chaotic, really. It's what it kind of really is. You're just going to be like, well, I'm going to try something gnarly. There's really no consequence. There's no real life consequences. So let's just see what happens. You know, like that's kind of almost where the motivation comes to be evil when you're younger. But yeah, when you get older, I don't know. I, I think, I think honestly, I, I think people, a lot of people with a lot of time on their hands play like three different roles when they play a game if they really like it. You know, they'll play through it once as femme renegade ship, and then they'll play through it a second time as male saint ship. Ah, boring. <laughs> it, it is pretty boring. He becomes kind of dull. It's, it's what the, well, you know, Mass Effect has the problem of, when these games force you to be good or evil or renegade or, 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 or saintly, you know, you're supposed to feel like you are helping create that world, but there always is an endpoint, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and how the endpoint doesn't always mesh up with whether you're a good or bad person or not. It's just like it has to end. And so, so, you know, Mass Effect was a good example. It's basically three, the exact same three endings. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, good or evil, you still have to save the universe. Good, evil, or neutral, yeah, still, still save the universe. So, Ultimately, I think it makes sense because if you think about, even just think about how I assume you were as a teenager, or at least I can think of when, how, how I was as a teenager, and how uh, typically I see the people around me kind of losing their punk rock tendencies. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid-20s. That's something that I'm that I'm still seeing. Like it's a it's, it's still a continual process of everyone sort of just chilling out, yeah, not being so angry all the time. And so, and I kind of imagine that their choices and characters that they play um, either either tend to tend to um, reflect reflect that those changes, or possibly in the other in the other way end of the spectrum is just trying to recreate those old experiences <laughs> where you just didn't give a shit and you just go around and just performing drive-bys constantly jim i don't need to know about your personal life here <laughs> and what you do at night in order to sustain your meth your meth uh, <laughs> your meth empire <laughs> i live on the coast man it's heroin here. Oh, oh, okay we'll be right back on what board turn One More Turn, a podcast that my parents still don't know how to access. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. This week, Jim, we taken One More Turn with Dungeon Keeper, developed by Bullfrog and Peter Molyneux, which people know today from, as the aforementioned Black and White, Populous, Fable, other kind of... Do you know what his involvement was in he this? He was a designer. I think he was lead designer on this game. I'm not oh. mistaken. I want me make sure I get it exactly right. Yeah, he was. He's he's listed as a designer. I don't know if that's lead, but he's definitely listed as a designer on it. Right, and this this game is certainly something up his alley. Oh yeah, this one came out in nineteen June June of ninety seven. Uh, the sequel came out in ninety nine. Although I don't know how much involvement Molyneux had on the sequel, and it's it's kind of a a little bit of a genre-bending, uh, uh, well, I'd say, yeah, genre-bending game. You know, they have a little bit of real-time strategy, 
a little bit of God game. You can actually get into a first-person shooter mode if you want to possess one of your your minions uh, or one of your basically one of your imps, one of your people on the battlefield. And this game came out at a time, you know, you know, Fallout Two is about the same time. You know, F- Final Fantasy Seven came out. Although the only thing these two share in that is like kind of a tower defense kind of element to it with the tower defense minigame in Final Fantasy Seven. You know, you have some other PC stuff like Hexen, where it's kind of like a dark, you know, it's it's the fantasy, but you're playing kind of a dark fantasy character in Hexen, where you're like a warlock. Wizard Doom. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ultima Online and Diablo, which kind of share the same view viewpoint of it, that quarter, three quarters viewing down on the field, you know? Sure. Little fantasy guys just constantly doing the same little sword slash emotions just over and over. Yeah. Figuring that they're going to get carpal tunnel from their Zweihander in one way or another. <laughs> right. But the only – those are all good examples of being kind of good guys. And the only one I can kind of come up with, with in terms of – that's around the same time where you're actually the bad guy was Blood Omen. Came out a year ahead of that. Blood Omen Legacy of Cain, which kind of had the same perspective. Although Blood Omen's obviously more of an action RPG. Uh, mm-hmm. In terms of kind of a platformer, yeah. Also. In terms of narration, though, where you're actually playing someone who is a bad person, who, who, I think it used a lot evil. of the same voices as well. Yeah, yeah, probably. Because I was trying to look through, you know, more popular media uh, where you know film and television where people actually you're the bad where people were watching the bad guy do bad guy things, and there really wasn't anything going on like this at the time. You know, it's kind of something only. In gaming, where you actually got to be the evil character, right? And that only, and that that really only showed up, oftentimes, I guess in in strategy games in which you could play multiple sides. Um, that I, I don't remember specifically when, like the Heroes of like, like Heroes of Might and Magic series started mm. up, but generally series where where you had a lot of playable races, there kind of generally was a labeled bad guy. Like even like even some of the really popular ones, like StarCraft, like generally the Zerg were kind of considered to be the bad guys. It's really easy to because they look like freaky aliens. Right, right. You know, going back, even old RTSs on Commodore, I don't even think they give you the option. Like you only have the option to play the bad guy if it was like two player. But yeah, there's not. It's a phenomenon that I've found kind of Dungeon Keeper. I, I want to say it's kind of the first to really embrace it and be humorous with it and be funny with oh. it. You know, have have a oh, good yeah, time like with in- it, you know? Oh, right. This entire game is pretty tongue-in-cheek in that it's trying to be kind of as ridiculous and comically evil uh, as as possible. I mean, we can actually we can get into the game a little bit that in this game, like, you are, like, a new up-and-coming dungeon lord, which I, say, I assume is someone is, is similar to the guy who's sitting behind the... Uh, the cardboard cutout of the Dungeons & Dragons table. And you are kind of set loose upon this new continent, which is like this massive-looking continent that looks beautiful, it looks gorgeous, and usually you pick a territory and kind of raise it to shreds. Now, um... Well, hold, like when you, I, I, oh, you keep, keep, keep going, because I'm not sure if you've raised it to shreds, if it's really your fault. <laughs> I, well, I have my qualms with that. Yeah, it's like when you're introduced to a level... Um, the, like the, there is this dungeon keepers, the narrator's voice, which kind of sounds like how I imagine a dungeon keeper would, uh, is kind of explaining why this area that you're attacking grosses him out. Yeah. Where it will be like, um, you know, lady so-and-so has a fair rule amongst her kingdom and doesn't imprison or torture, uh, her people for some reason. Right. And then... As you then like once you beat the level on the map, like the area turns like kind of black and red, and there's like lava flowing from places, and then like the name of the place changes, and then it starts to describe a completely new place about, um, you know, the remaining, you know, the survivors of this place were very quick to embrace cannibalism. It's kind of interesting that way. Yeah, yeah, I I, I found that fun. Uh, you know, it's 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 pretty. Sly comedy writing, but what I, th- I, 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 the issue I had is, you know, your guys obviously takes great joy in seeing these little kingdoms destroyed. Is he really evil? Like he just kind of sets up camp underneath them. All of a sudden, he's getting raided by <laughs> by the people of the town. Defends himself, and then you know, once he whacks him off, then he raids. He destroys the city. Um, I'm pretty sure the intent there. I, <laughs> if you read the little blurbs uh, about 
about like the area that you're in as soon as you start a level. Like it gives you a little introduction in, know, in, a, in a help box where it says like, "Oh, you should greet the town's inhabitants in as antisocial a way as possible." He's just mining his own business, digging underneath their cities, mining all their gold, stealing everything, and having little imps and warlocks hang out. You know, sure. like, he's an innocent office. I mean, we can table we you can know. table our conversation about how the devil here is somehow part of moral relativism. <laughs> oh, let's get into the game. Yeah. So the gameplay is is yeah, like I said, mix of real time strategy and god game. You basically have a center tower, uh, but it's the, it's called the heart of your lair. Right. And it's the dungeon heart. It's your keep. Dungeon heart. Dungeon keep. And in that lair, you have to build off of it. So you can just you know, it's it's like a. Each place you can build off of is just like a square, kind of like Minecraft. And you dig these squares out, and you dig out rooms. And when you build a room, you build them into things like lairs you, uh, for your for your imps, hatcheries for food. You build uh, training rooms. You build libraries. Every keep, though, every heart of the keep is usually near something called a portal. And you want to dig to that portal in order to get stronger monsters to kind of come and help you defend your your dungeon keep which is underneath these cities and so depending on uh on how you're setting up your rooms um like they all have different like interactions as to, as to like who they're attracting in how effective a room that that is like i know when you get your library it's told that like generally the library should be kind of quiet you probably shouldn't put it right next to your training room or your workshop or something that's generally horribly noisy maybe even the chicken room because there's a lot of clucking going on the library usually want to put it next to somewhere where your warlocks can easily access it i can just drop them in there yeah that's true <laughs> yeah like, like even like your hatchery like the only way you can attract bile demons which are like the huge bloaty guys is by just having like an enormous hatchery like these are things that just kind of I, you just kind of learn. You just kind of pick up. And like, well, what happens if I just build this giant-ass hatchery? Well, then you get giant-ass demons coming in. Yeah, and how you how the game regulates how much you can build out is um, uh, you mine for gold in this underground keep, these dungeons. It's usually just uh, there's just pockets of gold everywhere, and you got to rip it out. And once you rip it out, it goes into your treasure room. And once it's in your treasure room, you can spend it to create more imps. Create more helpers, create bigger lairs, create bigger hatcheries. Right. Train your creatures. Train your creatures. Yeah. Or when you have to pay them for payday. Right. <laughs> payday. Yeah. Yeah. You have to pay them once every, you know, 20 minutes. And after a while, you know, after you've kind of built your keep up, uh, then the town figures out that you're underneath them and they start sending townsfolks and in, 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 into their heroes. heroes into there. You'll obviously your goal is to defend your keep and kill the heroes once you've killed enough heroes, uh, the lord of the land, which is what, or the lord of whatever area you're attacking, comes down. He's the strongest uh, enemy. And once you beat him, you've won. You've won that level. You know, you can kind of hang out and see what happens uh, if you just do nothing <laughs> after you beat the lord of the land. See how all the... Uh, all your all your different uh, minions uh, interact with one another, how they react to not being paid. Well, there's also secrets that you can collect uh, throughout the level that will help you. Like oftentimes there will be things that say like, oh, you can let you uh, transfer a creature from this map to the next one, which is, uh, I don't want to say essential later on, but it really helps. Oh yeah, to start they only usually it's usually just one wave of heroes or whatever one one wave of mm -hmm. townsfolk and then the lord comes and then as it gets later you fight isn't it other dungeon keepers come out and you're, you're right. fighting just waves of everybody you're just defending it from other dungeon mm -hmm. keepers you know townsfolk oh yeah lords i mean the you know i i'm i got i got about two-thirds of the way through the game and i like some of the the more recent ones where like there are two rival dungeons and there are here and there's heroes that are sort of in the middle of all three, but they're also, like, blocking an area toward neutral creatures that you can recruit on your side. So if you're, like, the first person to run through these heroes, you get rewarded by, in this case, I think it was vampires, which are one of the most powerful creatures. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting way to kind of, like, develop kind of speed and an urgency in defeating these heroes. Or you can just sort of wait until someone else goes out, starts fighting the heroes, and then send everybody in to just run over all the survivors and take the neutrals. <laughs> And that's another cool thing. I mean, there's a ton of little creatures in this game. 
But you can actually build some of your creatures from the heroes you've defeated, if I'm not mistaken. Like, you can get oh, skeleton yeah. If you've killed enough heroes in an area, you can... Eventually, they turn into skeletons, and you can mm-hmm. transfer the next yeah. one, and you know so, some turn into vampires, and extremely deep game. Oh, extremely, yeah. yeah. That's because um, so there's about twenty different rooms, I think, in there, like about eighteen to twenty different rooms, mm. um, and like even more monsters, like twenty five, including the heroes. There's like twenty five to thirty different monster types, and I mean, there's there's several ways that you can. De- you can kind of like dispose of of any bodies so there's like a prison that you can lock survivors in and in which case like they just kind of just hang around and they're kind of sad <laughs> you can slap them around a little bit um Boy. your spiders your spiders are just kind of attracted to your own prison and they'll just shoot webs at people like in your prison it won't hurt them but they're just like hey we like we like doing this <laughs> yeah they just like torture them Right. Well, see, then there's also the torture room. You have torture tables that you drop people that you imprison into, and either they, like, reveal information or they convert to your cause or they die and turn as a, turn into a ghost. And then even there, there's then another option. Ghost recruits. Where you have a, ghost dad. We have a graveyard. We have your graveyard where your imps can just drop rotting bodies onto, and occasionally a vampire will spawn. Like, there's a lot of different choices that you can make here. You can even sacrifice people to the dark gods at your temple. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. And then what happens is when they change from human to to ghost, all these different character types interact in different ways with one another. So I think like uh, the horned, what's the one? What's the powerful one you mentioned before? The uh, horn something. I can't think of the name. Oh, there's so like well, there's the the bile demon. That's the big bloaty I guy. Th- like they them and skeletons don't get along yeah. because the skeletons are like. They're skeletons, right? They're they have no meat on them, and then the bile demon is just a huge, like morbidly obese pile of pus. <laughs> right? Yeah. So like, and, and certain yeah, certain character types, even within your own hordes and within your own army, they don't mm-hmm. get along with each other. Yeah, spiders and flies will always fight each other. Yeah, and you have to kind of constantly like wizards, you're constant- wizards and vampires. I think also. Yeah, you're, you're constantly like managing. Where you keep all these people or all these character types, you know, making sure they either interact or don't interact with each other. And at the same time, you're almost managing like this little economy, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, that's You know, you right. have like a library of a, you have the hatchery, you know, you have the jail and the torturing, like you said, and the, and the, and the uh, altars. You know, you're managing all these things and managing all these people at one time. It's like. It's it's smart that they introduced everything very slowly to you. Like I'm on level, you know, I was at level four or five, and you're still feel like they're just kind of baby steps, you know, with you. It's not until right. like seven, eight levels, I think, they start to really like get all these interactions going simultaneously and really, really overwhelming you with just just with just craziness, you know. Right. You generally there's generally too much um, there to do all in one level. Like you will have to um, work out like what rooms are best in which situations. That generally speaking, you can tailor it towards your own play style. But not every room will be great in in every level. Like there are some there are some levels where a workshop is just is just useless. That's where you like you build doors and traps and basically turn the game into a bit of a dungeon a tower defense game. Yeah, because oh. and then only like certain animals can handle the doors and traps. I think only imps can handle your traps. So like you right, really have to right. know your army really well and what they're capable of too. Like it's it's one of these things where everything you're you're basically a general. Like it does it does turn into real time strategy that way, and that you're right. you're you're the general slash king of <laughs> mayor of this town, and you're just you know you're just you have to be on the ball on everything. It's the it was the one it was the only qualm I really had with it is sometimes I think the camera I wish it could have pulled out just a little bit on my screen. Uh-huh. Just so I could see everything going on at once, rather than having to constantly scroll the screen to see, you know, what, the, making sure the warlocks aren't fighting the vampires while the, <laughs> yeah. while the imps and and flies are taking on the hunters, while the lord is coming up, you know, from some back entrance, uh, making sure the traps are set there. You know, like it's it's. I wish it could just pan out a little bit, but you know, other than that, it's it's actually it's pretty fun. It's pretty great. You know, it's it's right. if you can if you can handle all that, it can it really can get overwhelming at times. So right, well, when you've got you know when you're starting to get notifications, just rapid fire shooting in saying, "Oh, your creatures are under attack." 
or you know, your imps have run out of have run out of gold. You're you're running low on gold. You don't have enough room in your lair, and like all these different notifications are popping up at the same time. I'm like, hold on a minute, guys. Hold on a minute. I'm just trying to learn something at the library. <laughs> yeah, I just want to know the speed up spell. I just right. want to know the, the the mobilization spell here. Just just give me five <laughs> seconds. Right, and now it's interesting when you mentioned uh, the gen being acting as a general. Uh, that's actually that's actually kind of a, a major part of the late game. Is that there's a room that you can get called the barracks. Where you can group you can group your uh, monsters together into teams. Then when you if you possess one of those monsters, all your other monsters in that in that team will follow. So in that case, it almost turns into a game like uh, like Overlord or like Sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And I guess uh, it changes perspective. also similar games where you play as bad guys. <laughs> well, it changes the perspective too, right? Like, don't you go into first person perspective when you take over? Yeah, that? yeah, you go into a first person perspective, taking on the stats of whatever uh, monster that you take a part of. So if you take like a fast, speedy character, you can blitz around and run around. So and- I, I just think that's incredible. I mean, imagine you're playing a game like. Ultima Online or Syndicate, you know, and, and I'm talking about amazing Syndicate, also a bullfrog game, uh, amazing in 1997, <laughs> um, where you're basically playing like this for three quarters perspective, and you're sort of just dungeon, you know, you're sort of just doing real time strategy, you know, uh, data management, and then all of a sudden you're like, you know what, I kind of want to be in this world. Let's go into first person mode. And leave this army around and actually fight these guys on the ground, fight these invaders on the ground. Like, that's kind of a, uh, was a completely new thought for that time, too, wasn't it? I mean, I can't recall anything like that in 1997 gaming where you're changing the entire perspective of how you play that game, like, in real time. Right. In a way, this it was sort of re- it was reminiscent to a lot of older sim games, but kind of combined into that fantasy setting. Mm-hmm. There's actually a game that just came out uh, within the last couple of years called Evil Genius that I think was more or less it was Dungeon Keeper. Right. It was a Dungeon Keeper with a new skin on it, yeah. and um, I th- and I believe it sold kind of well. Um, I did not play it because I think I had already played Dungeon Keeper. Um, but like that's still like this, th- like the mechanics here are still imp- like are still impressive even like by today's standards. You know, how uh, how is how is the sequel? I'm curious. Oh, the, oh, the sequel, uh, Dungeon Keeper Two. Yeah. Uh, so that one adds in uh, a bunch of new monsters. It adds in a bunch of new rooms. Otherwise, like it keeps a lot of the the main game mechanics together. Mm. A lot of what I remember from it is that I, I remember you can get a casino as a way to make <laughs> money, where your monsters will go in and spend a lot of their money. Do they show up? Do every... they show up in Hawaiian? Do they show up in Hawaiian shirts and uh, foot flops? And <laughs> I would be very impressed. If, I would be very impressed. Um, but I remember, like every once in a while, like a monster would hit a jackpot. The dungeon keeper would say, like, one of your monsters has hit the jackpot. And all your monsters would stop what they were doing, march over to the casino, and then the game would start playing Disco Inferno and all your (laughs) monsters would start dancing. (laughs) What? Yeah, no. That's, uh, well, that might be... That might be where the comedy writing maybe went off the rails a little bit. I mean, it's probably very funny, but at the same time... yeah, like I remember. Also, they had there were a lot of Easter eggs in there. Where if you were playing the game at different times of the day, uh, the narrator would say different things at you. Like if you were playing at like one in the morning, it would just say like, "Even the best, like even the most evil of dungeon keepers need their rest." Or then like at, if you if it was about three a.m., like your imps are seriously considering tying you up. <laughs> this is turning into S and M, Jim. <laughs> well, I think it's more of just like you really should go to bed. Oh, oh, oh I thought it was it's maybe where the we got all their inspiration your, your, from. Yeah, your imps are seriously considering you reading a bedtime story. No, nothing like that. Um, they weren't gentle no. imps. No, oh. no. This is Dungeon Keeper. Come oh, on, that's true. That's true. <laughs> we'll be right back on one more turn. Welcome back to One More Turn, a show that's no longer agnostic about god games. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. Uh, so, Kevin, this was your first time playing this game, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I um, always heard about it, but I never I never gave it a spin until, uh, until you recommended it. 
Okay, so like, tell me, as I played this, I played this a lot when it first came out when I was maybe like all of 12 or 13 years old. Uh, tell me tell me a little bit like how, how the experience was getting into it now, like here it is um, like 16 years later. You know, I, I really enjoyed it. I got to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of real-time strategy. I'm not even really a big fan of Peter Molyneux all the time. <laughs> but I have to say that I really... I really liked it. You know, I only got a couple levels in just because I've been kind of hampered with other things this week, but it delivers in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um, You know, I'm not always a big fan of having, like I said, that frantic dealing with 15 fires at once and trying to put them all out. That that is, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of defines real-time strategy. The FTL effect. Yeah, right. Uh, But I like this just because it was so slick. They, they hold your hand really well to, to bring you into the game. You know, they don't just drop you in and give you everything at once, all of, you know, like a Final Fantasy Tactics, which is, well, it's not real-time strategy, it's tactical RPG. They introduce you into everything really well. It's really funny, you know, they have the the Overlord character, the, the Dungeon Keeper character, you know, they have that great perspective of how they introduce you to the game, which is that funny intro where the hero goes into the dungeon and then... He's distracted by like a mock dungeon keeper, and the real dungeon keeper comes up behind him and pleasantly, funnily chops his head off. <laughs> right, right. In a cutscene that was that was kind of very reminiscent of Diablo One. Yeah, yes, yeah. It's, it definitely is supposed to look like another game. Uh, and then I liked even how they introduced you to the world. You know, you just you have your you're from your tower perspective, and you just kind of see the whole map of the whole world, and you see all the little kingdoms, and there's like a flag pinned into the one that you got to tackle next it just eases you into it and 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 does it in such a humorous way and charming way that you can't help but kind of smile and enjoy it you know like it's like uh the despicable me kind of thing where you're not supposed to like the main character but they just make him charming and funny enough and all his minions funny enough you're like, yeah, I, I'm on board. Let's do this thing. Let's be stupid for a little bit. Right. And so I actually, that's a pretty good comparison because there is like, so it, it is sort of, it's kind of light and jaunty, I guess, in its, in its evilness, but yet at, at kind of a, a higher level, there's some pretty grotesque shit going on here. I mean, just the <laughs> fact that you have this, you have like, oh, the prison where you can just let guys rot uh-huh. or even the torture chamber that like even like the workers in the torture chamber oftentimes are torturing people in pretty kind of comical or hilarious means. It's like, Oh, if you still scroll over there, you have to deal with the screams of people over there. If you're designing this game, when you're creating this game, you're like, look, let's just, let's just make this like a cartoon. Okay. Cause that's the only way it's going to be funny or or only people way people are gonna like enjoy it in any way because if Mm -hmm. you 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 know make all the characters cartoony make the everything like just so exaggerated that you can't help but smile when you see a poor citizen (laughs) getting (laughs) attacked Mm -hmm. by a spider in a prison setting or like a giant battle going on where just one of your bile demons is just letting off like big noxious like big noxious flatulence right right or having your imps being like we you know when you drop them into an area or mm-hmm. when you pick up a warlock and drop him he's like you know kind of grunts like oh oh man like he's kind of bummed on it you know like mm-hmm. like it's all those little details that add up to something that's uh, you know enjoyable and 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 keeps you engaged Mm-hmm. Um, right, while you're going around and slapping uh, all of your monsters <laughs> to make them work harder. Right, right. But even, there's, like, a lot of interesting touches that I then kind of, I remember seeing in, like, in later, specifically in, like, later P- P- uh, Peter Molyneux games, is that there's, later on, there's a thing called the scavenger room. If you drop a monster there, it will try to attract um, other monster other monsters of that same type uh, from other dungeons, like, to convert to your cause. Mm-hmm. And each room that you're in kind of has, like, its own designated kind of sound effects. Like, the workshop has this kind of factory kind of setting. You know, the library is, is sounds kind of tranquil. But then the scavenger room, once it's working, is whispering. Is like, is, is like it's a very light whisper mm-hmm. that's that's saying a lot of, like, soothing things that are trying to, like... <laughs> Trying to get people to convert. It's just like, a meditation room, man. You know, a little, little yoga, a little Bikram yoga right. that's and hot so, in there. And it sounds a lot like the wind did when back when I played Black and White, where like, and that was a game where at times the wind would talk to you, 
and the wind would whisper your name sometimes. Like if you put in a common name into like your profile, it would it would talk to you and say your name. <laughs> so it was a very it was a very similar feel in that respect. Jim. Like that, or was it James? Yeah. Oh. Hmm. No, it was no. That's that's what it did, and it was kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, How about you? I mean, you're but, playing this. You know, you, you played it when you're in your you know twelve, thirteen, and you're playing this kind of second time or second go around really getting into it what are your thoughts i mean what what struck you this time out well for one i'm way better at it now go figure um also because i don't think game faqs existed back then actually i kind of this game is despite it kind of holding your hand for like the first half a dozen missions it gets very difficult Mm -hmm. very quickly because as i as i mentioned before the um, there are a lot of different ways to arrive at the same goal. Yeah. Um, so, and ultimately, when you're trying to take over the area, of course, any good strategy game uh, should allow you to come to uh, to at least develop your own strategy, your own personal style of play, in order to accomplish whatever objective that is. A lot of times, it's kind of difficult to do when you've got like s- several different route, like, branching paths that may not. Um, allow for other like that may like block off other well, options. well tell me so, one like, path you took okay so uh there's one level i believe it's like like level eight or nine maybe where um you start you have your your four imps in a dungeon in your dungeon heart you have no other territory you mine out of your heart and it just ex- expands into this massively open area like it is huge but there's no walls like anywhere so you just have to start putting like your rooms just next to each other and about 10 minutes in, you get rushed by an enemy dungeon keeper who has way more forces than you do. And ultimately, what I found out is that and there's a couple different ways to approach it. There's one, the easy way, which is you transfer a higher level monster in from the previous one and just rush. But alternatively, um, it turns into like a speedy exploration because there's neutral mo- there's like neutral dragons just outside the edge of the map. That you're kind of racing your opponent in order to obtain. Mm-hmm. This is, I believe, I kind of alluded to uh, before, is that uh, in a wide open area, you can't have doors or anything like that. So um, you can't. Yeah, work, you, can't, you don't need a workshop. Yeah, you can't build walls in this game. So you, you know, you can't have a workshop. A lot of like a lot of like the helpful things that you have, like guard posts, just don't really work because again it is so wide open. It's just all you need to do is like get a library, put some speed in there, and just throw your guys out as quickly as possible to try to accrue as much help as you can. And then, uh, yeah, so, I mean, but that's a level where they kind of give you no choice, you know? You have, you, have, you know, that sounds like your only option. Well, I mean, the, you do have the choice of just, you know, putting together your lair, your hatchery, your training, uh, your training room, dropping everyone who shows up into it and just slap the hell out of them. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a Thanksgiving dinner, just... Everybody in one room just slapping each other, you know. Well, maybe that's just my house, maybe. Uh, oh, I didn't know you. I didn't know your last name was Steve. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have a lot of slap fights. Uh, well, maybe. Oh, I'm thinking of college, not my house. Uh, yeah, it's. I am so weirded <laughs> out right now. <laughs> well, I was weirded out by this game. Yeah, it's. It, uh, I hear what you're saying. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those one of those things in games where. Yeah, you, it sounds like you, you have to just go for speed. And, and, and if you are a – it sounds like if you're a person who doesn't maybe like to force his minions to do stuff, you know. Like I didn't like to force them to do things. I just sort of liked – I'd move them around, but I'd never slap them. My, my hope – I was a more benevolent dungeon keeper, as I mentioned earlier in the good guy bag talk at the beginning. That sounds like a situation that forces you. Like, hey, you better be a jerk in order to get these guys moving. This isn't – we're not playing around here. Jim, we're not messing around in this dungeon. It's 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 make or break time, you know. You expect all your monsters to clock in and out on time, <laughs> right? Right. Well, there's a very there's an easy promotional schedule that I've set up for them. You know, they can make assistant imp manager to imp manager. Maybe someday they can. If they play their cards right, one day they'll hit level four. Yeah, one day they might get a little you know dungeon keeper franchise of their own. You know, if I if they play their cards right. Yeah, but ultimately, um, because this is, when it comes down to it, a strategy game with a strategy campaign, it kind of has that RTS campaign feel to it, where I I feel like you have have a lot more fun kind of playing, like, sandbox skirmish games than actually going through the campaign. Because ultimately, the campaign is just 
we're going to do the same thing to you, just we're going to either restrict things or just put you into a slightly different setting. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of the fun that will, what will come from this is putting you into a sandbox mode. I will say that's probably the one lacking element of, of Dungeon Keeper, is there really is nothing tying these 20 levels together. You know? Oh, no, not at it's all. It's just, you know, go here, then go there, then go to the next place, then go to the next place, and all these places just are in the same land. But it would I think that's the one thing I was really brought at home and maybe put this thing into some other completely new pantheon of game is if we actually knew who we were fighting. Like, you know, if we if we if we had a little bit more background on the main king of this kingdom or maybe if we had a little bit more story, you know, what I mean, it's really tie everything together. Mm hmm. Right, because right. it's you know he mentions each town and he kind of like says oh yeah you know the children play there and after he destroys it he talks about how it's a hellscape <laughs> you know and how he enjoys it being a hellscape but it would have been cool to kind of like have maybe a, a character come into a dungeon and, and is able to escape you know maybe the king comes in and then escapes and maybe you get a little quote from him or so I don't know I don't know how you do that in something like this. But I, I, yeah. I think that would have it, it would have been a nice way to tie all the twenty levels together. That's probably again that's like such a minor quibble because everything else about this game is awesome, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But but ultimately, you know, when you're doing the campaign and it's just and it, there's just a series of independent missions, there's not much incentive ultimately in trying to compete the gun trying to complete them all except maybe just like your own personal drive. Yeah. Yeah. Other than to get a little kick out of winning each time, you know. Mm-hmm. Being able to check something off on your games playlist. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's what we did today, Joe. <laughs> that's what we did. <laughs> we'll be right back. We'll be right back on one more turn. Welcome back to One More Turn, a podcast that just wants to be friends. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. All right, Kevin. Uh, so we've had our discussion on Dungeon Keeper, but uh, what have you been playing anything else? Well, kind of sticking in the mold of being the evil overlord. Uh, this week, my recommendation is for a game called Space Lord. And in Space Lord, think of it as Galaga. Have you ever played Galaga? Ever played whatever the... Nah, there's, what, uh, what's the other one? It's not Galaga. Space Invaders. Galaxian. <laughs> Galaxian. Oh. Galaga. You know, where the... Phoenix on your TI-83 calculator. Yes, where you're the ship at the bottom and you're just shooting hordes of invaders coming in. Right, kind of a bullet hell type yeah. game. So Space Lord is Galaga, but instead of being the ship shooting these things, you are the one setting up the enemy combatants to attack the, that, that good ship in waves. So how oh, huh. so it's a browser game. It's free. It's from uh, uh, three guys, uh, Jim Berner, Pat Kemp, and Axcho. Ax Good old Axcho. <laughs> yeah, we go way back. It's a free browser game. And like an RTS in a way, you you know, it's, it looks like Galaga, except, you know, you, have the sh- you see the ship at the bottom. And at the top is a bunch of boxes about, I think it's about six by eight or six by ten. Uh, and you set your enemy ships in those boxes. Uh, but the goal of Space Lord is not to kill the guy at the bottom. It's to keep him interested enough to keep fighting these waves of ships that you're flowing at him without killing him. So, like, huh. you have to put just enough on there. Just You have to have just enough ships on there so that it, the ship is interested without going overboard and destroying him. So... And how they measures that at the bottom, it has a health bar, and that health bar measures both how much damage the ship has taken. Well, actually, I shouldn't even say damage. A health bar is how interested this good ship is in fighting these waves of evil ships. <laughs> and it's this totally sounds like a metaphor for something. I just can't tell whether it's a business deal or a romantic relationship. So, I mean, and that is that's that's kind of it. There's you're supposed to get about to twenty five waves. Which is well below Galaga, uh, but as you place ships for the the good guy to destroy, uh, he gets more and more powerful. So he gets, you know, he's just he has a little pea shooter at the start. That pea shooter gets, you know, becomes more stronger and can do more damage and shoot through enemy ships. And then it becomes like double shooters, just like in Galaga, where you get two ships and shoot. And it just kind of builds and builds. And 
that's it. Like you, you're trying to, you'll, it'll say little things at the bottom. Like if you only have like five enemies in a wave and the guy just blows them away right away, he'll just, <laughs> he'll get bored. Yeah, he'll just say like, oh, I'm kind of, you know, he says, he sounds like he's in high school. Oh, whatever, dude. Oh, you know, whatever. This isn't that big a deal. Like, he, it, <laughs> like I, I'm getting tired of this. I, I'm going to fly away soon. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and it's funny. It's like Dungeon Keeper. It's meant to be humorous. You know, you're the space lord, but you are almost this like benevolent space lord. Like you're doing just enough <laughs> to ke- to keep the hero fighting you instead of flying off and fighting up some other space lord. You know, right? It's it's more it's more self aware in a way. Like, all right, we need you to keep playing our game. So in order to do that, we need to just keep you here long enough so that you don't get yeah, so you don't get bored, but you also don't get frustrated at the same time. Yeah, it's in in a way it is. So you're you're saying metaphors. It is like all these kind of free games or a lot of these games we recommend. It is a metaphor on gaming in a way because as the person designing it, you are trying to create something interesting enough for the player to come, keep coming back and to feel heroic without being too difficult and just you know annihilating them so it's a commentary i guess you could say on difficulty settings in video games now as you're playing through this you said that the the hero gets stronger but then do you have access to different ships as well or do you always have access to the same you have access uh, same pool you have access to the same pool every uh, every time so you could in theory fill it up with your strongest ships uh so and there's different ships. So there's like just like Alga, there's ships that kind of go left and right, like swing down the screen. There's some that just shoot and go straight down. There's some that kind of like drop big bombs and kind of you know they're, they're the some just fly. They don't shoot at all. They just sort of like kamikaze pilots. Uh, you have mm-hmm. a I think you have a choice of about eight, if I'm not mistaken. If uh, there might be more, but I mean you have pretty much access to them all right from the start. So. It is a matter of you kind of playing with where you want to position them, what style do you want, where do you do you want to put the kamikazes in the front, do you want to put the shooters in the back? You know, you got to give the fighter enough space to attack the more difficult ones because if you put mm-hmm. the heaviest ones in the front, you know, he might not be able to get to all of them, and by the time something a little weaker is in, is, is set to come behind those stronger ones, you know, you're, he's so overpowered that he gets destroyed. When do they get? When do you get in the, the, the giant Ikaruga bosses that fill in the entire screen with shots? <laughs> um, uh, that's, uh, that's Space Lord too. Space Lordier. Uh-huh. No, uh, yeah, I wish. Where yeah, that was the one thing I was waiting for. Yeah, I wish everything just takes up one box, and I wish they had one that was like a three by three, just huge or four four by four. That was just yeah, like you know. Uh, a weird skull head with like red eyes, like you see <laughs> in so many of those those games for some reason, where like they make a ship that has a face, on, but only a face that you can see from space, like if you're above it, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh goodness, no, that would actually be, be pretty. Neat. You could probably run a, a lot of different ways with that. I mean, even to the point where you could even probably expand that to to even allow for human players, kind of similar to I, I believe. Um, well, the game you were speaking uh, about recently was uh, Castle Doctrine, mm-hmm. where you have like this, where you, where you have like one person building the the en- the enemies, but then also a human player playing it is playing it as well. Yeah, yeah, they don't have that point portion yet, but you would think that that would you would think that would probably be easily programmed. Like, hey, like create ten waves and then have your friends play those ten waves. Right, I imagine know? you would need probably some some significant limitations there. Oh um, yeah, the points of the space lord. Oh yeah, yeah, but it's funny. He just sort of looks like a giant cat, the space lord. <laughs> and you know, it's it's it, it, like Dungeon Keeper. It's cartoony. It's meant to just be sort of silly and fun and dumb. You know. So I don't know. How about you? What are you playing this week, Jim? Uh, so I found uh, a very interesting uh, demo that's out for a game that is that has yet to be released called Life Goes On. Uh, it's a platform currently is it currently in indie development that really kind of focuses on player death. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of similar. It, it's a little bit similar in how uh, Rogue Legacy um, works, is where it's main character, each char- main character named Desmond. You know, and you're in a marketplace. The whooshing sound you just heard was that comment going over my head. Uh, Beatles song, Life Goes On. Oh, okay. Ooh, blah um, I'm too young to understand the Beatles. Uh, 
So um, in this case, it is uh, it is a platformer where you play as this little as a as a little knight. At the bottom of the screen, it tells you what your knight's name is. Uh, then inevitably, once your knight dies, it immediately responds you with a new one who has a different name. Now I say this as inevitably because when you first spawn, you drop into a pit of spikes and immediately die. Oh. However, <laughs> nice. uh, your old character's corpse remains there and is now a platform over the spikes. Yeah, so you are oftentimes it's a puzzle about how you can use your corpse in order to help get through a puzzle. It sounds it's, this sounds like another commentary game that com it's commentating on video games, you know. I possibly I think it's just just an interesting an interesting way of visualizing and using uh, death in a platformer is as a main puzzle solving mechanic. Mm-hmm. Like there are a lot of different things that that you can do with it. So there'll be like sections where you need to, you know, in a very in the very simplest, like oh, there is a button that you press to bring up a gate. Um, but of course, as soon as you jump off the button, the gate goes back down. Like oh well, there's a buzz saw way up top there. So if you jump up into the buzz saw and get your corpse to fall down onto this button and keep it pressed down for the next person to run across it, then you're then you're great. Is there? How do you lose? I mean, if death is is a tool in this game to get further, you know, how does? I mean, it's probably it's not. You know, it's probably there is no losing in it. But yeah, I mean, is there? No. Is there? There's no way to lose, right? It's just. I mean, not really. You just keep kind of respawning and, mm-hmm. and going. In a way, it's like it's like Super Meat Boy. If you know, a little bit slower than Super Meat Boy, but if you can then use your pre, you know your previous corpses to help you pass and complete a puzzle <laughs> is every is I, everything like that though? I'm curious so like you you say you use the buzzsaw and you fall and your mm-hmm. your your previous uh character's corpse is is a is a button pusher now as uh, a paperweight now uh, do you have to play through the whole level again as as your next uh, entity or as your next character no so there are there are respawn points uh throughout the game and it's even interesting in that uh, so there's only, a, I believe, like five or six levels in the demo, but there are even sections uh, that have that use your respawn points as part of the as part of the solver as well. So that like there will be platforms that you can only access, but they're by a respawn point that's spinning in a circle. So you have to like trigger the respawn point and then die and then respawn and then hit like spacebar to respawn when it's at a certain point to bring you onto a platform. Or there will be situations where there's a respawn point that's moving back and forth over this giant lava jet. You hit the respawn point, run into the lava jet, and then wait until it's past the lava jet to then respawn. Huh, okay. That's crazy. And is that the only way? Is that the only mechanic to get you further? Is is this death mechanic? Or is there other elements? I mean, obviously, you know, you're jumping and probably... Well, and so there's there's a lot of... And there are a lot of kind of toys and gadgets... Uh, throughout the game that I've seen so far where there will be there's like a cannon that you can get into that it will launch your guy into something but of course inevitably kill your guy as well so there, there will be like uh, blocks on strings that if you launch a guy into it'll knock the, your block into this uh, pendulum motion that you can then use to jump on and get into get to someplace else it's kind of, it's very silly in how it handles this because at the very end of a level it gives you it gives you kind of par times. Um, where like, all right, well, here's here's a time that we've set a really good, here's a good score. Here's also a death count that we that we will set as <laughs> again, like if this were, if this were a golf course, it's like oh, this is going to be a par three hole. You <laughs> die three times throughout this, and if you do, <laughs> my... you get it plays a little party horn and gives you like oh, an extra okay. bonus. Well, my, do I get handicapped at all? I mean, other than the physical damage to my body, do I get handicapped? Well, that's 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 all you need ultimately. Oh, okay. I mean, even to the point where it's like counting up the number of deaths that you had. It's the guy who's the little knight that survived has this cart that gets wheeled out, and then all the previous guys that died in that level get piled into that cart as the guy <laughs> then runs away with it. And is there any like I'm curious? Is there a story involved that you know of yet? I mean, you're at the demo stage, so they're probably just giving you levels. Uh, is there anything? No, not that I've seen. Just... Not that I've seen. It's just it's just as I said. When you start to play it, the first thing you do is you just have a knight who just drops into a pit of spikes and dies. <laughs> I like it. So uh, like, who who's who's do you know who's developing it? 
I, it's just a kind of an independent team mm-hmm. of individuals. Uh, you can find it at lifegoesongame.com. Uh, and I really recommend it. It's 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 very adorable and kind of bleak. <laughs> that's, that's such a good mix. Adorable, bleak. Yeah. Adorable and bleak. <laughs> it's like it's like we have Cormac McCarthy doing children's books. <laughs> the Road for Kids. Yeah, and now I don't know yet uh, when this game is slated to, to be completed, but hey, there's a there's a free demo on their website, so go give it a try. Thank you for listening. One More Turn is produced, hosted, and created by Jim Staholsky and Kevin King. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please email us at onemoreturnpodcast at gmail.com or post something on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash onemoreturn. Uh, music is courtesy of Pixel Hate, his song IED, you can find off his album And the Revolution. You can find more Pixel Hate music at pixelh8.co.uk. Blue Paint, which you're listening to now, is courtesy of Breakbeat Heartbeat and the Waveform Generators off his album 2206. You can find more Breakbeat music at soundcloud.com slash breakbeatheartbeat. Bye!